Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. He's been hidden through tradition. He's been hidden through religion. Someone says, I don't do it like that in my church. I won't go any further than that. We're here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And He's here. And that's why people are not finding Him. Because He's found in the Word. And unless we find Him in the Word and dig deep into the Word to find Him, you won't find Him. You've got to seek and search with all your heart, He said. And then you'll find me. And I believe he meant what he said, don't you? Let's open up our Bibles to the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel where we're studying the parable of the sower and the seed. Let's very quickly go over some things, some established facts of the parable. We started with verse... Well, we started from the beginning, but we've been... Going to verse 10 and reading right on through 17 and 18. and That's where we got the first part of our information. And then we took the last part of it. We're starting in the last part of it. But in the first part of the, inf- of the parable, he said that we can understand the Word of God and the operation of the Kingdom of God when we understand with our spiritual eyes, see with our spiritual eyes and understand with our hearts by hearing with our spiritual ears. We've established these facts. Number one, that the subject of the parable is the Word of God. Number two, well, the subject is the Word of God, and the object of it is to get results or to produce results through the Word of God in your life. We've established the fact that the Word, the seed is the Word of God. It's incorruptible. The Word will never fail and cannot fail. It is impossible for the Word to fail. But we've also saw that It's the condition of the heart of man that causes the Word to produce or can choke the Word and stop it from producing in your life. It's not God that's not doing the work. It's the heart of man that has to be conditioned and fertile so that the Word or the seed that's planted into our hearts will produce the end result of whatever you're doing. If it's salvation, I want to have the end product of salvation, don't you? And I want to have the fullest fruit brought to perfection in my my life to its fullest while I'm here on this earth. Amen? And He's showing you how to do it right here. He's showing us the conditions of of the heart. We saw that it was through the senses, uh, the two senses of seeing and hearing. You might as well write that down if you don't have it written in your Bible. It's through the two senses. The physical senses of seeing and And hearing that the Word enters into the heart. The seeing standing for our understanding and the hearing for hearing through the Spirit, the Word of God spiritually, so that we can get into our heart. So we've got to hear the Word, the life of the Word. We've got to hear the Word in its fullest by the power of the Spirit 
so it can get into our heart. Because Jesus said, my word's spirit and it's life. We saw in verse 15 that proper hearing would bring life and health. He said, if you see and hear properly, it would produce a conversion or life and it would produce health or healing. So there's a twofold operation there of the Word of God in the heart of the believer to produce eternal life and to produce health or healing to our bodies. Now, it's just that way. That's why everywhere you read about redemption, you find out that there's life and health. That's why when you read the 103rd Psalm, it says He forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. Because that's just the way it is. That's why when you find the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, the redemptive chapter that it talks about, He's forgiven our sins, the transgression, our transgressions and all our iniquities were placed upon Him. But with His stripes we are also healed. And Peter, looking back to, to Calvary, said He bore our sins in His own body on the tree. That's our spiritual life. Sins. He bore our sins. And with His stripes you were healed. So seeing the Word properly and hearing the Word properly will cause eternal life to those that are dead spiritually and cause health and healing to all our flesh. And that's His purpose in our lives. We've established these facts already through the parable. If we'd see it and hear it properly, we've established the fact that the reason for the parable was to reveal to us the operation of the Word of God in the heart of the humble, but to hide it from those that are proud or to the wise and the prudent. We've already saw that. That's why Jesus gave it this way. Why? Because God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Amen? And when we humble ourselves to God, actually we're humbling ourselves to His Word. We bow to the Word, and as we bow to God's Word, the Word will take effect in our life and bring to fruition whatever it is in the kingdom that you desire. We went on down here. Let's go on down to verse 19. Well, let's look at verse 18 first. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. He says, I want you to hear it with the spiritual ear. If you hear it with the spiritual ear, if you hear it properly, it is going to produce the Word in your heart. It's going to produce a sound heart. Now, Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh. Listen to it. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. If your heart is not sound, then the life of your flesh will not be sound. But if your heart is sound, and how does the Word enter into our heart? By hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. By seeing and understanding. That's why Paul prayed that the eyes of your understanding, spiritual eyes, be open. I want to lay down a principle for you. The natural man has got to know or see or understand in order to believe. I said the natural man has got to know, meaning to see, to understand, in order to believe. Now that is natural law. I'll put it this way. Seeing is believing. But Jesus said the spiritual man has got to believe before he could know, see, or understand. That's why there's that fine line. Between, and we're going to get into the carnal Christian, between the believer and the non-believer, the non-believer says, I want to see, 
But the believer must believe in order to see. And that's why we've got carnal Christians today. The carnal Christian, yeah, he believes on Christ for his salvation without seeing Him, right? He believes, but then when it comes to every, everything else that's in the kingdom of God, he has got to see it to believe it. In other words, I've got to see that I'm healed before I can believe that I'm healed. But Jesus said, you've got to believe you're healed in order to see that you're healed. And you cannot break that spiritual law. It doesn't work. The natural man's got to see it to believe it. But the spiritual man says, I believe it, so I'll see it. And if you could ever get that, that non-believer, that, let's say the atheist, to see beyond the senses, to see into the spirit world, his eyes that they may be open to see spiritual things, then he could see spiritually and believe spiritually and be able to see and understand in the natural. You don't see Christ, but blessed be God, He's more real to me and should be to you than the clothes that you wear. Amen? I've never seen Him. And maybe most of you have never seen Him. But glory to be, be to God, I've seen Him spiritually. I know Him in my heart because I believe. And so this is the law that's laid down. And if that law has been laid down, that's why Jesus said, No man could come to the Father except to whom the Spirit of God will reveal Him to. Through Jesus. That's right. Because he said, My words, they are spirit and they are life. And the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. He can't know them things. So it takes the Spirit of God to reveal to us the Spirit of God's Word. God's Word is Spirit. So it takes help. We need help. That's why the disciples could not understand the whole time they walked with Jesus. They could not understand what He was going through, what was taking place, what was happening. But when the Helper came, when the Paraclete came, when the Comforter came, when the Teacher came, when the Helper, the Standby, the Intercessor, when He came on the day of Pentecost to teach them and bring all things to their remembrance, they said, Glory to God, I see it now. How did they say it? Jesus was gone. But blessed be God, they saw Jesus. Yeah, they saw Him when He walked on the earth, but they didn't really see Him. But hallelujah, when, when the Spirit of God came and gave the new birth inside their spirits and recreated, regenerated their spirits, they said, we see Jesus. We see Him now. Hold your finger there. I've got to go to Luke 24. Go to Luke 24 because the Spirit of God leads me there. It began as Jesus was being taken from their midst. But in the 24th chapter, we find most people... And I'm not just talking about Christ as Savior. I'm talking about Christ as Healer. I'm talking about Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I'm talking about all the benefits of the kingdom of God. You have got to see them with your spiritual eye before you can have them in your physical life. You've got to see them. For If you're sick out there, you've got to see yourself healed before you can actually have your healing. Say, how can I do that? You need the help of the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the Spirit. And you'll be able to see with the spiritual eye. You'll be able to see the things of God, the deep things of God, before they're even in your midst, in your heart. In the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Oh, they didn't see Jesus when He was here on the earth, not spiritual. Look at verse 25. Then said He unto them, 
O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. The disciples didn't want to believe it. Nobody wanted to believe that He was actually risen from the dead. He said, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? They couldn't see that. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. We've got more theologians today. Oh, they know the Scriptures. They can read the Scriptures. They can study the Scriptures. But they don't see Jesus in the Scriptures. They don't see healing in the Scriptures. They don't see life in the Scriptures. All they see is the Scriptures. You need the Spirit of the living God and a new birth to unveil to you the Scriptures. And Jesus began to expound all the Scriptures concerning himself. The whole theme of the Bible is redemption to reveal to us God's redeeming plan through Jesus Christ. Look at the next verse. And they drew nigh into the village whither they went, and he, he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went into tarry with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them, and their eyes were open, and he, they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. No, their eyes weren't open physically. Their eyes were open spiritually. And look at the next verse. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened to us the Scriptures? Oh, when somebody opens their eyes to the light of the Scriptures, portraying and showing the true Messiah, portraying and showing to us the true life of God, portraying and showing to us just what Jesus had to do, it's like being born again all over again. I've had many people say, I, I, was, I was just, you know, in my Christian life, I was so down and so defeated. And, and I just, you know, wasn't gaining anything. I wasn't growing up spiritually. I was, it seemed like I was just missing something on the inside. But they began to listen. They began to hear the Word. They began to hear the reality of the love of God for His people. And they, as they began to see Christ, the Messiah in the Scriptures, their eyes were opened. They had a new outlook on this Jesus of Nazareth. They had a new outlook on the heart of the Father God and the Father heart of God that they never saw before. And to them it was like being born again. The joy of salvation rose up with inside their hearts and they began to shout and sing praise and honor to the Father because they saw their eyes were open, their spiritual eyes. You can sit after church service and church service and hear the same old thing over and over and over, but if it's not the life of the Word of God, it will not Cause your spirit to grow. And you'll walk in defeat, in darkness. But blessed be God when your eyes are open. Look, look at the 40, 44th verse. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Concerning me, he said, Then open he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. Oh, glory to God when the Comforter comes to open up your understanding, to open up the Scriptures, to show forth God's love in this generation, to show forth His mercy, His compassion. And I've seen more people go to the Old Covenant, go to the Old Testament to try to prove the New Testament. But it's wrong. It's limited revelation. It does not portray the love of God, the Father heart of God. Listen to the difference. There's a difference between the heart of the Father God 
and the Father heart of God. Our Father, our Father God, has a Father's heart. And the Old Covenant does not reveal to us the love that's in that heart. It reveals to us a God of judgment, of power, of might. Why? Because their hearts were dead back then. They couldn't see. They couldn't understand. They could not hear. They could not know. Even when Jesus came, they said, Who can hear these words? They're hard to be understood. You're showing us the God, the Father heart of God, of love, of mercy, of compassion. We knew the God of power and might and judgment. That's who they knew. But Jesus came and said, you don't know Him. If you've known Him, you'd know me. I came to portray Jehovah in the flesh. The love of God personified. The Word of God personified. And they could not see it. They could not understand it. They could not hear it. It couldn't enter their hearts. Because they were blinded. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God came, He opened up our eyes that we may see and understand and know the deep things of God, the wisdom of God, the Holy Spirit and demonstration and power, the mind of Christ, the Father heart. He's a Father to you. The Father heart. There's not a Father out here, if you're in your right mind, that wouldn't do anything that they can do for their children. And our Father gave us that heart that's in us. There's nothing he would do. He would withhold. The scripture says, he that walketh uprightly, that walks uprightly before God, he'll not withhold any good thing from him. 84 Psalm, verse 11. He'll not withhold any good thing. If it's good, it comes from God. It's yours. You've got to know that about your father. Let's go on back here. I'm, I'm getting away from our text. <laughs> That's all right. We could learn from that. They could not see. They could not know. They could not perceive. They could not understand. The Word was Spirit. It's life. There was a lack of knowledge. That's why verse 19 says, When anyone heareth the Word of the Kingdom and understandeth it not, they don't understand their Father. They just met Him in salvation. If you just met Him, if you just got born again, you don't really know Him. Some people, they're not even born again, and they want to try to understand God. You've got to get saved first. You've got to get born again first. You've got to get filled with God's Spirit. And then you'll begin to understand Him, and you'll begin to know Him. So they received the word by the wayside. Then come up the wicked one and catch it in the way. That which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the word by the wayside. So actually they could not receive it. They could not understand it. They could not know it. But Jesus came and said, Oh, you fools, he said. Slow to believe in your heart. But you and I, we have got revelation from God. Paul the apostle was given to show and share with us the revelation of the mystery of this kingdom. Now, he said this next person, look at verse 20. This person is he that received the word, or the seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and Anna with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath no root in himself, but, in, but dureth for a while when tribulation or persecution arises. For the word's sake, by and by, he is offended. But I want you to see something here. The heart of this person the stony heart is symbolic of shallowness. There was no depth of earth. There was no depth of the Word of God. Ephesians, the third chapter says, there was no depth for rooting of the seed. It began to root. It took very little root. 
and that it was choked out. Ephesians, the third chapter, says that it's to be rooted and grounded in what? Love. So we saw that if the seed is planted into the stony ground, it'll spring forth immediately. First thing I want you to see about this is this. There's a, there are many people in, in, in the realm of faith that receive the word immediately with gladness and joyfulness of heart. If it's a healing in their body, if it's their deliverance, whatever, whatever the case might be, they receive it immediately. But there is no depth in spiritual things. There is no depth of the love God has for them. Paul said, you've got to know the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God, of God's Father heart towards you. To be filled with all the knowledge of God, the love of God. It passes your head knowledge. It goes down into your heart. And so what he's saying is here. Here is this. There was no depth in that person. There was no deepness into the Word. Jesus said, dig deep into the Word. He had no depth in God's Word. He had no depth in God's love. He had no depth in the spiritual things. He said the Spirit came to reveal to us, yea, the deep things of God. There was no depth. So what happened? He endureth, but for a while. I want you to see this one thing. The Word began to grow. It was actually a little plant. It might have been a blade. A lot of people have come to the altar for their healing. And that began to be a little, a little bit of growth there. There was a blade there. The fruit of that healing was not manifested yet. We know that. We're talking spiritually now. And I've got to speak it so you can understand it. So I'll say this. You did not actually see the healing with your physical eye. Or whatever the case might be, I'm using healing because it's, I think, tangible. But, in your heart, that healing began to grow. The word for healing began to grow inside your heart. If you would have allowed it to be perfected, you would have seen a healing in your body. But there was no depth. They could not see the deep things of God. They could not understand the love God has for them. They could not hold on to the Word long enough until it would grow. And so it says, the sun began to scorch it. But let's take a look at the words that he used here in verse 21. Yet, he, yet hath he no root in himself, in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the Word... Why do the persecution and tribulation come? Someone says, oh, poor old me. No, it's not you. It's the Word in you. Don't give yourself that credit. They're not just looking for you because your name's John or Jerry or Mike. He's looking at you because you're a threat to His kingdom with the Word in your heart. If He could get the Word out of your heart, He says, fooey on Him. But if He can't get the Word out of your heart, you're going to get persecuted, you're going to get afflicted, and you're going to get tribulation in your life. It's coming. It's coming. And I mean it's coming as fast as he can get it to you. And we're going to see the way out of it. So this person gets to a point. He receives the Word. He's happy about the Word. He's glorifying God with the Word. It begins to shoot up right away. It begins to grow. That healing begins to manifest. The root of that sickness or disease begins to dry up. And the first thing you know, a little bit of pressure comes on him from the devil. He's afflicted with pressure or trials or circumstances of life. And what happens? He endureth only a while. Only a while. Let's get some definitions first. Let's take the word tribulation or affliction. Mark calls the word affliction. Affliction means the pressure of circumstances. 
The pressure of circumstances. Affliction. Persecution means to drive away by force. To put to flight. To drive away by force. To put to flight. Okay, the persecution and the affliction. They're coming for what sake? The word's sake. Why is the circumstance come? Why has the pressure of circumstances come? It's come to drive the word out of your heart. For if it's allowed to remain in your heart, it will produce fruit. It cannot fail. You cannot fail to be healed if you took the word in your heart and then when the affliction came. Listen, I said it's coming. It is coming. The affliction's coming. The persecution is coming. The tribulation is coming. You might as well just face that fact. As long as you're on this earth, it's coming. But at this point in this individual's life, the one that received it in the stony places, at this point, the circumstance is real big and the word is real small. In their heart. Maybe not in their neighbor's heart. Maybe not in the guy down the street's heart, but in their heart. See the conditioning of the heart. Their heart has not yet matured to a place that the word is greater than the affliction. So the devil could steal it out of your heart as long as the word in your eyes is smaller than the circumstance or the pressures of life. What were the things we had to understand and know about causing that word to come to full fruition? We said over there, the last verse of every one of these parables, the parable of the sower in Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew said you've got to understand the word. Look at verse 23 there. But he that receiveth seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. Matthew said you've got to understand it. Mark said you've got to receive it. And Luke said you've got to keep it in your heart with patience. In other words, at the end of the parable, he showed the good heart. So let's compare the two since we've got the two. Let's compare the two. This person received the Word, so he must have understood it. He understood it, he received it. But he had no depth. He did not know how to keep it in his heart with what? Patience. He didn't know how to keep it there. And so because he had no depth, he could not keep the Word in his heart. The Word was choked out. It was burned up. The little plant was burned up before it could produce the fruit of healing in his body. And it was the person's heart that caused it not to work. It was not the word that failed. So you've got to keep it in your heart with patience in order to bring it to pass. Matter of fact, let's take, you're in, you're in the 13th chapter. Let's go to the 14th chapter. Let's take an example from the word of God to show you that it's possible for the word to begin to work in your life. In your situation, in your circumstance, in your healing, in your needs met, whatever the case might be in your life, the Word begins to work the moment you ask and believe that you receive. The moment you exercise your faith in prayer, the prayer of faith, the Word begins to grow inside your heart instantly. And if you receive it with joy and gladness, it begins to grow up and spring forth speedily. But, unless you have Faith and patience and know how to protect the Word. The Word keep means to protect it. In your heart, and you do not endure to the end of the product, whatever the fruit is, then Satan could rob you of your victory. Peter did it when he got out of the boat. Let's read it together. Verse 22, 14th chapter. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship 
to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. This is Matthew 14, verse 23 now. And when he had sent up the multitudes away, he went to a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, as I be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down to the ship... He walked on the water to go to Jesus, but when he saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid and sick, beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? He received the word with gladness. Come, Jesus said. He got out of the boat. He received the word with gladness. Joy rose in his heart. He got on that water and started to walk towards Jesus. But when his attention was drawn, notice he saw his understanding. His physical understanding began to get into effect. The pressures of circumstances. The water is water whether it's smooth or rough. Man cannot walk on water whether it's smooth or rough. While it was smooth, he walked out there, glory be to God. And when every saint starts off in faith, it's just a smooth walk. They said, I believe I, believe I receive my healing. Glory be to God, I believe I receive it. And they just, just so much joy. But the first ache, or the first pain, or the first time they see something contrary to what they're saying they believe, they begin to see the circumstances. They begin to be afraid. Fear came. Then what settles in their heart? Doubt. No. Jesus, I don't go to the negative side. Jesus commended Peter by saying, you got little faith. And if you've got little faith, glory be to God. Keep on going until it gets to be great faith. Because he said there's a few that had great faith in there. So the pressure of circumstances was designed to change. Now notice this. It did not change the water. It did not change the fact that man can walk on water, whether it's rough or smooth. It didn't change that. It changed Peter's outlook on what he was seeing and what he was doing. It seemed like it was, it can't be, he said. Look at the waves. Look at the wind. Look what's going on. And when he got his eyes off the Word, he endured but for a while. Right? But then he began to see all that. And after he endured for a while, he allowed the devil to come. And still the Word, He allowed the pressures around Him to burn up that plant that started to grow inside His heart. Consequently, down entered in, and He failed to produce the fullness of the Word. What was the fullness? To walk to Jesus and to walk back to the ship with Jesus. Right? That's what He should have done. So, in other words, the, faith, the Word cannot fail, but we can fail to operate the Word. Just keep on going. Just continue in my word. Peter didn't stop there. He kept on continuing in the word. I want you to notice that what happens to the person. Go back to Matthew 13. Look, up, look what happens to the person that misses at one time in their spiritual walk in faith. I've heard many people say, I tried that faith business and it didn't work for me and I'm not going to do it no more. I don't believe that way. They get offended at the word. Look what Jesus said over there in verse 22, 21. By and by he is offended. 
Right? The word offended means to repress. To repress. Now listen to what it means. I'm going to read this definition to you. To repress. To prevent the natural or normal expression, activity, or development of. To inactivate by blocking. A roadblock. To put down by force. To check by pressure. Pressure of circumstances. I used to work for a barrel factory. We used to make barrels. And they used to put these plastic liners on the inside of these barrels. And they had to, to test out the barrels, they had to put them under a great deal of pressure to see whether or not they would hold the oil, whatever was going inside the barrel. After they got them pressurized, they put the pressure on it. If it could not contain the pressure, it would burst. It was no good. It would be cast out. They couldn't use it. Your faith is going to be under an attack, a test, a trial, pressures of the devil. And when you walk out in the faith, he's going to put you inside that pressure chamber. He's going to put the pressure on your life to see whether or not you can work the Word of God. And if you can't hold up to the test of that pressure, circumstance, trial, tribulation, then the Word becomes unproductive in your life. Don't go off and say one God's will to do it. Just say it like it is. Satan put a roadblock in your life to the pressures of circumstances. That's the word affliction or tribulation. And it was the pressure put on by the devil that caused the Word to become inoperative in your heart. What do I do? Keep on going on. Continue in my word. Continue in following me. I'm just going to keep on in faith and keep on doing it and doing it and doing it until I get to the place that, not that circumstances won't come, but that the word of God goes into a tree a lot bigger than that little old pressure. And when it comes the next time, I'm going to look that pressure right in the face and say, wind and waves, you got no power over me. Storms and clouds, you've got no power over me. You can act like you want. You can shake it, uh, the water from underneath my feet. doesn't matter. I'm not moving. I'm looking at the Word of God only. I'm going to stand on the Word of God. He says, I'm more than a conqueror. And greater is he that's in me. He that's in the world. And I'm going to cause that pressure. Instead of being a roadblock, I'm going to cause that test and trial. Instead of being my failure, be to endurance, patience, to make me perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I'm going to reverse the process. Did you notice that when the, they put in the good plastic container and it stood up to the pressure that was given to it to, to test it to see whether or not it could stand up? It was said, this is a good one. It wasn't cast out. I want my vessel to be a vessel in honor. I want my heart to be a good one. Meat for the master's use. Amen. I want my heart to be a spiritual ground that's so rich in the soil of God's love and wisdom that every time I plant a seed into it, it shoots up just like that and starts to produce plenty. Some for me and some for you. Hallelujah. Amen? That's right. Well, we're getting carried off again. Well, he said over there, persecution. Let's go, let's go back to verse 21. Yet he hath no root in himself, but dirt for a while. Dirt for a while. Dirt for a while. Peter dirt endured for a while. Matter of fact, I quoted that there. I'm going to go back there. Let's go back there to James, the first chapter. You got time? Hallelujah. 
Because the Lord, the last time I spoke this, the Lord gave it to me in a little clearer way. I use the same scripture to, put, to, to point out another word, the word want. James, the first chapter, verse 4. Let's read right on 2 through 4. And let's see what he's saying here. Let's start with verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The testings or the trials are to come to you to put the pressure of life around you, to put you into a state of pressure of circumstances so that the Word will not work in your heart. That's why they're coming. So he said, count it all what? Joy is exactly what you should be doing. You receive the Word with what? Joy. Now count this all what? Joy. Receive the Word with joy and count it all joy. Okay? When you fall into these pressures of life, diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith... Now, if you do not know the trying of your faith worketh patience, then you will not count it joy. You see, your heart has got to be developed. You have got to develop patience in your heart. If you don't know that the trying of your faith worketh patience... Then when the trial comes, instead of counting it joy, you'll begin to complain and murmur. Oh, why me, Lord? How come me? Instead of saying, why, Lord? And how come me? You know what you'll be saying? Now, Mr. Devil. See, God don't want to hear your problems. He wants to hear His Word. He didn't say, if you speak your problem to me, it'll come back. it won't come back void. Did He? He said, if you'll speak my word to me, it won't come back void. Amen? Oh, Lord, you know I just can't make the bills. He didn't say, if you speak the problem to me, it won't come back void. You know, Lord, I want to be healed. I need to have any... He keeps talking to him like that. He doesn't understand anything about his word. Amen? Speak his word to him. Start speaking the problem to the devil. Hey, Mr. Devil! You see the pressure you're trying to put on me? You meant it for defeat. You meant that pressure to come on me so I could be destroyed. You put that wave over there just so it could come against me and overtake me and cause me to be offended at the Word of God. Mr. Devil, you could try to put pains in my body. You could try to make my finances not work out. You could try to do this. You could try to do that, Mr. Devil. I want you to know something. You meant it for harm, but God's going to make it for good. You meant it to destroy me, but I'm not, I'm not going to take any count of it. I'm going to count it joy. Thank you, Mr. Devil. Thank you, Mr. Devil. I'm going in patience. Endurance. And the next time you come, I'm going to be bigger and bigger. And the next time you come, I'm going to get the sword out, and it's not going to take long for me to grow up. It's not going to take long for that seed to produce in my life. Hallelujah. You best believe he'll get to fleeing. Because he knows that every time a test comes to you, you're going to grow up. He goes, uh-oh. Uh-oh. I meant it for harm, but he's taking it for good. What's the good? Verse 4. Look at it. But let patience have her perfect work, Peter. Don't endure for a while. The word endurance and patience just means to be stable. In other words, walk on the water while it's smooth or while it's rough. It don't matter. Stay the same way. Don't change. Amen? Okay, look at what he said. No, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect, that you may be mature and entire, 
Now he said, now look up the word entire and explain it to the people. And so I did. Listen to the definition of this word entire. Complete. Sound in every part. Whole. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly or entirely. And I pray your whole spirit or spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. Same word. Entire. You'll be perfect and entire. You'll be sound in every part. Listen. Indicating that every grace present in Christ should be made manifest in the believer. I'll say that again. Every grace present in the Lord Jesus Christ should be made manifest in the life of the believer, spirit, soul, body. Perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Whew! Every grace. Now you know why grace and peace is multiplied unto you. Through the knowledge. Through the knowledge. You know, if you just know that God is absolute love and just begin to realize that you have absolute love inside you and you start to walk in that love, you know you'd begin to know God. Because the Word says that God is love and he that loveth not knoweth not God. You may be born of God, but you don't know Him if you love not. So the more I know that God is love and walk in that love. Now listen to this. He said, you'll be, he said if you let patience have a perfect work, patience is endurance, right? Peter didn't endure, right? Listen to this. Love endureth long. You start putting that love inside your heart. Love endureth long and is patient. Right? Love endureth long. How long? Until the circumstance dissipates. Disappears. Is removed from your presence. I got to get into this guy, Paul. You know what you talk about persecution? Remember back over there? Go to 14th chapter of the book of Acts. How many of you watched Brother Copeland this morning? Don't think just be... I, I watched that. I, I said, now, Brother Copeland. I said, now, I'm going to go and I'm going to preach the same sermon. I said, now, and they're going to think, well, he just watched Brother Copeland this morning. But I don't preach my... I don't make my sermons up an hour before the... Before the you know. And I said, now, Brother Copeland. I said, you know. Now, for the life of me, I said, but, I said, but thank you because that just... Boy, when it's inside my spirit, I says, we got on the same Holy Spirit. Glory be to God. Amen. Isn't that right? I said, so they're going to get it so deep inside their heart that they're not going to miss it. Amen. 14th chapter of the book of Acts. Just so happens we're teaching on the same subject. 14th chapter of the book of Acts. We find out this guy. Now, notice that he said, through pressures of circumstances or through persecution. Persecution is that which drives away. He said through tribulation and persecution, the word, the attack on the word, by and by they're offended. And the word does not produce in their lives. Now persecution, Paul was a man of great persecution. He was told he was going to be persecuted. And everybody that lives godly in Christ Jesus shall also suffer persecution. Well, what are you saying? Can we get to a place in our lives that we'll never be persecuted for righteousness sake? No! You'll get to a place in your life that persecution for righteousness sake and for godliness will not be as big as the life of God on the inside of you. And when it comes, you'll just discard it just like Paul did. That's what this is saying. Fourteenth chapter of the book of Acts. And it came to pass in Iconium. Notice Iconium. Let's read verses 1 through 7 first. Iconium, that they went 
both together into the synagogue of the Jews, to, and, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of also the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. There's a lot right there. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by the hands of His grace. The word of His grace. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there, were, there was an assault made both on the Gentiles and also the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. Okay, they were aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe and cities of Lycionia and into the region that lies round about. And there they preached the gospel. So here they are, they're preaching the Word of God, and uh, the people are get, getting stones to cast at them, and so on and so forth. Go on down. We, see, we read through there, you find out that this man was healed. This lame man who never walked before from his mother's womb was healed under Paul's ministry as they preached the Word of God. Let's go on down to verse 15. The, the people that were there thought that Paul was some kind of a god, and, and uh, these people were gods, Paul and Barnabas. And saying, Sirs, why do, do these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities into the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own way. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these things, listen, scarce restrain they, the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch. You've got to underline this. Antioch, Iconium, underline it. Who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and Derbe are all the province of Galatia. You've got to know that. He was stoned at Lystra and taken for dead. I believe he was dead. It, it doesn't matter what you think. It, I believe he was dead. Or near death. Regardless of it, when the Jews stoned somebody, they left a pile of stones on them. And when the disciples went around there and stood around there, they probably began to worship God and praise God, and, they, and he was raised up. Where does he go? He goes into the other cities of Galatia. When? The next day. For the next day from what? After he was stoned half to death or to death. I won't get dogmatic about it. You don't have to believe he was dead if you don't want to. I'm not saying to be dogmatic, but I'm saying this. If they left him for dead, if you took me out to the street corner down here in Midland and just began to stone me until you, let, you, you left me for dead, chances are I'm pretty close to death. If you was going to do all that, you, you made sure that the job was done right. And so they, he gets up after prayer. The next day, it says, he goes off into the cities of the province of Galatia. Same cities. He preaches Christ unto them and goes back to where he was stoned. Right on back. Now, you think that's persecution? Sure, it's persecution. But did he get up and say, well, it looks like, you know, it didn't work. Looks like that this isn't working out. Did he stop walking on the water? He got up and continued on preaching the Word. He just continued preaching the Word of God wherever he went. Christ and Him crucified. Paul says, I'm not coming to you in man's wisdom. 
nor of what this world's wisdom teaches. He says, but I'm coming to you in the wisdom of God, demonstration of the Holy Spirit of power, and Christ in, he, in me crucified is all I know. Christ crucified, that's all I know. Now, everywhere he went, he was persecuted. But I, I said this for this fact. I said that he was at Galatia for this reason. Go to Galatians, the fourth chapter. We're going to answer a lot of questions right now. The fourth chapter of the book of Galatians. He was persecuted. He was stoned to where they thought he was dead. Why did the persecution come? To steal the word from this man who had received revelation upon revelation because he was given that revelation to you and to me so that generation through generation we can know the mystery of the kingdom of God, Christ, and you the hope of glory. And if the devil could get it from the man that had it, he could stop it from getting to you a lot sooner. Isn't that right? So he stirred up these Jews that did not believe and they got him, they stoned him half to death or to death. I said, every way you want. He gets up from that city. He walks right off into another province of Galatia. These four cities are provinces of Galatia in that area. Now, let's, look, let's go here to the fourth chapter. Let's see something. Verse 12. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. For I am as you are. You have not injured me at all. Listen. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. This is the book of Galatians. He was in the cities in the province of Galatia. And when he says here, at the first, he was referring to them some 50 years ago. When he first came to these cities and brought Christ and him crucified, and he said, You stoned me. Listen. You know that how through the infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation which was in my flesh you despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus Wherein is, where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them unto me. Now you might as well get the disease out of your thought life. Here he is at Lystra, stoned. You ever been stoned? Stoned. He gets up. He goes right on back to the next city, the next city that's in that province. He preached Christ at the first. He preached Christ at Iconium. He preached it at Antioch. He preached it at Derby. And he came back to Lystra. Who? The one they thought was dead. He said, You receive me as an angel, as Christ, Jesus. Why? Because he got up. The next day, supposedly dead, walked right into the city. His face may have been marred. His eyes may have been bulged out. His head may have had big knots on it. He may have had black and blue marks and cuts and so on and so forth. The weakness of his flesh, that word means weakness. I guarantee you, if you were stoned, your flesh would be weak too. 
And he walked into the city and he says, I'm preaching nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified and I'm willing to give my life for it. And your friends back there at Lister, they tried to kill me off. They tried to stone me and they did as you can well see. But glory to God, He raised me up. And I'm not going to stop preaching Christ and Him crucified until Jesus comes or until He takes me off to be with Him in glory. That's what He said. And can you see the looks on their faces? When he came on back to Lystra, right where they stoned them, and all the other places that he went to, if they could have, they would have taken out their own eyes and said, Paul, we're sorry. We didn't mean to do that to you. Oh, would to God we would have known. But you best believe they got their act together. Eye disease. Hogwash. That's right. And how does he doesn't come today and gone tomorrow and come back next week and then back the next month and next year? They say it was a mess. They say that his thorn in the flesh was an eye disease. The word buffet means to come back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Doesn't come and go. And he wasn't saying that here. He was saying the truth. You stoned me out there. You saw what I looked like. I came to you in the weakness of that flesh. It didn't matter what I looked like. I may have looked. Terrible in your sight. But I preached to you Christ nevertheless and said He raised me up. The next day He walked after being stoned. Hallelujah. Let's go on here. Go back to Philippians. I want you to see something about this. We're going to close in a few minutes. The first chapter. i got to get this out. I've got to get this out to you. Philippians, the first chapter. He's writing these, these years later. This is maybe 64 A.D. when he writes this book. Galatians was 68 A.D., I believe, when he wrote the book, when it was written. This is uh, 50 years after all these events happened. By this time, Paul has grown to a place in his spiritual growth. Do you know why? Because he endured the persecution and the affliction. They say they weren't coming. He endured them. With patience, he grew, he got stable. It had its perfect work. Look what he makes a statement here, first chapter, verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, friends, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. For I'm in a strange betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better. Nevertheless, to abide with you in the flesh is more needful. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of the faith. You hear what he's saying? Well, now, friends, he's saying, you know, I've grown to a place of spiritual maturity that I could just go off and die and be with Christ if I want to. But I know that if I go, it won't help you in your furtherance of the gospel. So I'm just going to stick around and abide here for a while. And I know I'll abide just for a little while longer, just to teach you a little bit more. So that you can profit from what I've learned. Go to the fourth chapter of the same book. Doesn't sound like somebody's sick to me. Choosing to die when he wants to. Amen. Fourth chapter. We're going to see how we're going to get the same way, friends. Look out, Mr. Devil. Oh, hallelujah. Look at verse 10, chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. <laughs> Perfect and entire wanting nothing. Not that I speak that I want anything. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content or independent of the circumstances of life. 
I've learned in whatever state I am, no matter how the trials, no matter what pressures, no matter what circumstances, no matter how the devil comes in against me with affliction and persecution, I've learned how to be independent of circumstances. That's what, that's what it's saying here. Look at the next verse. I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and all in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. It doesn't matter where I'm at. He said, look at verse 13. Glory, 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 glory. I can do all things, he said. You know what he was saying to these people? If you want to give, give. Not that I have the need or the want. I know how to get it whether you give it or not. We should take that attitude. Someone says, well, you know, God's going to supply our need. Yeah, He's going to supply your need. He's going to supply all your need. If you learn how to get to this point, He will. He'll supply all your need. And it won't matter whether the guy down the street neglected to give you what God told him to give you because God will find somebody else. As long as you endure. You know, the Lord told me this, the endurance is not for Him to give it to you. That's what people think. Oh, I'm just waiting on God. No, you're not waiting on God. You're waiting for the guy that didn't hear God. Especially if it's in need of finances. That's right. Your enduring is with this realm. I have to endure. Why? Because God went to Mr. Jones' house and he didn't hear God. And so he went down to the sister down the street and she didn't hear God. And went down this block and that block. And finally he said, oh, finally somebody heard. And after they heard, they says, oh, the Lord told me to give you this. Well, you'd have had it a week ago if somebody else would have heard. That's right. Now, they didn't hear because the devil harassed them not to hear. See, someone says, now, I remember I did this one time. The Lord told me to give something to somebody. And I said, I walked off from the platform there. And I, and, uh, I said, uh, first thought that comes, now, that wasn't God. Why would that guy need whatever you told, you know, he told me to give? Why would that guy need that? He said, so that's the devil talking to you like that. And I walked up. I said, yeah, he got a nice car. He's got this. He got, why would he want that little, little bit of thing that I was going to give him over there? Why would he want that little? And you start to think about that. And I said, now, Mr. Devil... I said, now you can make me think what I want to think, but I heard God. I know His voice. And whether I get laughed or mocked, I don't care. I'm going to give that little... I thought maybe it a drop in a bucket. But so I did, you know. And do you know I got a call from that individual, from that person? That there was somebody in his, in his care because he was going off. He said, I was blessed. I needed that. I said, glory be to God, Mr. Devil, you didn't do it again. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. See, but if I would have missed it, God would have had to go somewhere else. If we would pray one for another and hear the voice of God, we would get our answers a whole lot quicker. And so would your brothers and sisters. Now let's close here in 2 Timothy. And I mean we're going to close it right here. I got to give you the ending. I mean, if I don't give you the ending... I won't start preaching tonight's sermon. I'll just stop right here. The fourth chapter. We're going to talk about Paul's persecution. We're going to see he didn't have no eye disease, no this or that or other thing, and whatever they try to say that he had. Why don't you just believe this what he, he said it was? A thorn in the flesh was his messenger of Satan to buffet him. Just believe this what he said it's what it was. He should know better than any of us. Okay, let's look at 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. Let's take a look at verse... Six. Now, of course, this is a man that's beggarly. This is a man that's racked with pain in his body. He doesn't know which way to turn. You know, he's 
you know, he's got all these things coming against him. He's, you know, just about ready to fall over, it looks like. But here's what he says. For I'm now ready. I'm now ready. I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, and I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Oh, pretty bold, isn't he? How do you know, Paul? Because I kept the faith. Because I fought the good fight. Because I've finished my course, he said. No, God's not with... You know what the Bible says back there? God has revealed to us the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. He's revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Did it say that? That we may know the deep things of God. He listened to what he said. He says, I know it's my time to go. My departure is at hand. I'm going off to be home in glory. There's a crown of righteousness laid up there for me. How do you know, Paul? Because God revealed it unto me. I kept the faith. I fought the fight. I finished my course. I know it's up there for me because God revealed it to me. The deep things that God has prepared for those that love Him. He's revealed it to them. He'll reveal it to you too if you keep the fight, your, your faith. Fight the good fight. You know, follow that course. Finish your course. Look at, let's go on there. A crown of righteousness, what the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, he goes on to say it, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Now go back to the third chapter. We're talking about, third chapter, we're talking about persecutions. It's why the word didn't work in your heart or somebody's heart. Let's go on here. Look at verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience. You've got to keep the word with patience in your heart. You've got to suffer the persecution, but you've got to live above it. Let's go on. Here's those two words that he said that comes to steal, steal the word out of your heart. Persecution and afflictions, which came unto me where? Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, all the provinces of Galatia where he was stoned, where all these things came against him. Let's see it. What persecutions I did what? He what? What did it say in Matthew 13, 21? He didn't endure, but for a time. Paul said, I endured. It doesn't work by trying. It works by doing. He endured it. Peter didn't endure it. It came. The pressure came. He fell under the pressure. Keep right on going. Paul did. He kept preaching the Word, preaching the Word, preaching the Word. Let's look at the rest of it. I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. I endured. I kept the faith with patience. I learned how to be Independent of circumstances, I learned how to put the Word to work. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. There's a kind of glory waiting for me. I've learned how to do it. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I ran the race. There's a crown of righteousness. Out of all the persecution and out of all the affliction that came, the Lord delivered me out of them all. Now, if persecution is coming towards you, and if... Pressures of life and circumstances of life coming towards you. You endure it with patience and faith. Protect the word in your heart. And you too will be delivered and independent of them circumstances. And you'll say with Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Amen.
Oh, they've missed this scripture. Out of all them, the Lord delivered me. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.